Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. Hi, welcome to today's podcast. My name is Patricia Atkins. I'm the Senior Application Scientist at SPEC CertiPrep. Today we're going to take a look at speciation. So what is speciation? Why is it important? What does that have to do with anything? Well, the official definition of speciation is the distribution of an element amongst a defined chemical species of a system. This means the uh, isotopic composition, the oxidation state or the electronic state or the molecular structure. So if you think of something like arsenic, it can exist in different oxidation states. It could be a negative oxidation state. It could be a positive oxidation state. It could have uh, an oxidation state of three. It could have an oxidation state of five. So that those create different species. These are important for a lot of different reasons. On the positive side, biological activity, such as nutrition, like some forms of iron are uh, higher, have higher bioavailability as a nutrient than other forms of iron. So some forms of iron are soluble and some forms of iron are not soluble. So they can actually interact with biological tissues differently. It also could be for treatment of disease. There are a lot of compounds called organoselenium compounds that can scavenge free radicals. Now in the body, free radicals are these molecules or um, uh, ions that take chunks out of biological tissues. They can and cause a lot of different oxidative activity. So if you have a, uh, a free radical, it can cause things like cancer or tumors or other diseases in the human body. So if you have a free radical scavenger like an organoselenium compound, they actually lock onto those free radicals and they make them inactive so they cannot cause damage in the body. And then there's toxicity. Some different species of elements and, and compounds can can cause toxic effects in the body. Generally, these are called organometallics. That means it has a metallic component to it, like an arsenic, and then an organic component to it. The most famous organometallic that we've all heard of is methylmercury, where the methyl group is the organic component and the mercury is the metallic. And, in, and you combine those together, and these tend to be um, higher toxicity than the inorganic forms, like a mercury liquid or a mercury metal. There are some exceptions to that. Like arsenic, the organometallic species are found a lot in seaweeds and things like that. They're, and they're nowhere near as dangerous as the elemental forms of arsenic-3 and arsenic-5. What really is important to understand is that metal toxicity or species toxicity is affected by two basic concepts, mobility and bioaccumulation. How mobile is this particular element or compound to affect the body. And it can affect the body in three different ways. Absorption. Does it bind to uh, an absorbable constituent? Does it reduce or increase the bioavailability and toxicity? So if you have a toxic metal, but it absorbs into the system and binds with something that makes it inert, then it reduces its toxicity. 
distribution. Can it cross the different biological barriers? Can it cross the blood-brain barrier or the intestinal barrier? And if it cannot cross that barrier, it actually reduces bioavailability and it reduces toxicity. And then there's biotransformation. Does it accumulate or modify in the tissues or can it be excreted from the tissues? So if you have something like lead and it can accumulate in the body or some other toxic metal that can accumulate in the body, or it can be modified to make it more toxic, then that increases the toxicity. But if you have something that, uh, a metal that is very easily flushed from the body, well then it is not as toxic to the system. Solubility. How quickly does that particular metal or metal complex or that particular molecular complex react with water how soluble is it? Because if you think about the human body, they say we're over 98% water. If it can be more soluble in water, it's more available to the body. So a less soluble compound has a less chance of doing damage in the body. And of course, we all know the traditional heavy metals of concern. We've all heard about lead, cadmium, mercury, arsenic, chromium. These are what we think of as heavy metals. And as I said before, usually it's the organic forms that we worry about. We worry about the methylmercury. The only exceptions are things like arsenic, where we really worry more about the arsenic-3 and the arsenic-5, because they really have a very high lethal dosage level, or they call it median uh, lethal dosage, LD50. So for something like uh, an arsenic-3 arsenite or an arsenate, which is arsenic-5, you have a higher lethal dosage in milligrams per kilogram of body weight. Something like a organic arsenic, uh, something like a DMA, a dimethyl arsenic acid, you have hundreds if not thousands of times um, more ability to, to process that, so it is, is less toxic to the body. Now, a lot of laboratories are very slow to adapt speciation. Why? Because it's very difficult all around to sample for different species of metals. You have to follow very specific protocols for additives, pH, microbial activity. There's lots of different things that can change the collection and preservation of arsenic species. If you change the pH of a uh, species, then you can actually change the form. For arsenic, if you change the uh, pH of the, the, the sample, you will actually force it into different forms of arsenic. So you might have a biological or an organometallic arsenic in a water sample or in a soil sample, but then you add an acid to it, you acidify it, you drop the pH, and now you force it into arsenic-3 and arsenic-5, which are toxic. Microbial activity. Sometimes microbes will feast or, or react with different forms of the organic or inorganic species, and they'll change those forms. Time. Sometimes a, a particular species reacts with oxygen. So the longer it is exposed to the atmosphere or to oxygen, the more it changes. Temperature. If a species is uh, heated, it can change its, its form. Maybe if it's cooled, it actually favors another form of it. And a lot of these species can be volatile, meaning that, that they can off-gas into the environment, off-gas into the container, the collection vessel or whatever else. They can absorb through the container. They can get contamination and pull contamination in from the container. That also then affects the different species. So it's very difficult to collect. Another reason why we're slow to adapt to testing for species is they're very difficult to prepare 
for testing. You have to extract them and, and the extraction can actually cause different species to form because you have to add oxidizers, you have to add heat. You can derivatize some samples, but then you could also form alternate species by the derivatization process. So when we do test for species, you also have to use what we call hyphenated techniques. That means combining different analytical, te analytical techniques in order to get this result. Something like LC-ICPMS. This is a very common way of doing elemental species. And over the years, from 1980, when the technique was uh, first founded, through the current decade, uh, the amount of articles cited for speciation for hyphenated te techniques has gone up exponentially. So you could have things like a, a GC ICPMS or an HPLC ICPMS. So you get all these combinations of separata separation or a chromatography type of element linked with a spectroscopy type of element like an MS. And when you combine like a, a chromatographic separation, you can create your own challenges. You're using mobile phases. You can actually create or destroy species with your mobile phases. You could have loss due to void volumes for chromatography. You can have um, coalition of species. So there, there is a difficulty in doing analysis or quantitating different elemental species. So why are we so slow to adapt? Well, it's because there are not a lot of regulations or, or directives about testing for species. Usually you'll find these type of regulations in um, different pharmaceutical applications and in some wastewater and drinking water applications. And they usually concern organotin or uh, chromium species, especially chrome-6. And they are mostly limited to drinking water regulations and pharmaceutical regulations. There's also the problem there is a limited amount of reference materials. As we said, species can change very rapidly. They can uh, change from one form to another. So stability becomes a very big issue. There's also homogeneity issues. Some species might fall out of solution more quickly than others. You might have issues where um, getting them back into a homogeneous solution is difficult. They can be uh, very short-term standards. So maybe a particular species only has a 30-day shelf life or even maybe less than that. And all of these need to be validated in order for them to become reference materials. That makes it difficult because you have to worry about changes in temperature, pH, um, packaging, all sorts of other things. So you also need to combine that with the need for new equipment. We said you needed hyphenated techniques. You needed LCMS, ICP LCMS, GC, IC, you know, so there's a lot of these hyphenated techniques which are not commonly found in laboratories. And then you need to develop new methods and new validation for those methods. Most of the time we start with an LC-ICPMS and at SPECS that's where we started our investigation of speciation and we started with something like arsenic. We did uh, inorganic speciation of arsenic and we were mostly looking at arsenic 3 and arsenic 5. But then we started to move on. We want to see the organic arsenic species where we're not as clearly separated by our LC-ICPMS. We wanted to see the DMA, which is dimethyl arsenic acid, or the monomethyl arsenic acid, which is MMA. There are also some less common arsenic species like arsenobetaine and arsenocholine. So we wanted to be able to see a lot uh, more different types of arsenic species. So we decided to do a study on LCMS. So we changed 
to an LCMS system, which is an organic system, and we looked at the different arsenic species. And we were able to find that LCMS is able to see quite a bit of the, the organic arsenic species, and they see it very well. But we're still having a few problems with our inorganic arsenic species. So we're still in the process of, of doing research into this. So that's one of our future works. Some of the, the techniques uh, that are being used for speciation can be applied to different types of industries, the food industry, for example. Uh, we did a study a few years ago on alcoholic um, ciders, apple ciders, because of the arsenic, potential arsenic content from apple orchards. And uh, arsenic pesticides were very important in, in fruit orchards for hundreds, if not uh, a thousand years. So we wanted to see if we could find some of these species. And we were able to find organic and inorganic arsenic species in our different alcoholic ciders. But there's also been studies on apple juice, on wine, on different food items, spices, and things like that, where speciation becomes very important. For drinking water, has been uh, chrome 6 studies have been important for a very long time. So the work for speciation is going to increase over the future. So we're going to be needing to put more energy and more effort into understanding species and how to quantify the different elemental species. I hope you've enjoyed this short look into speciation and join us again for a future presentation. Thank you. Specs Speak Science is presented by Specs Companies. Specs CertiPrep and Specs Sample Prep provide scientists with certified reference materials and sample preparation equipment for a diverse range of analytical techniques. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content, such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more, can be found at both specscertiprep.com and specssampleprep.com. Thank you for listening to Specs Speaks Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes.